Hello, listeners. Welcome back to North Georgia Psychology Podcast. This is Lauren Sandwich, and I'm here with Heather Lovelace. Heather is a therapist at Laurel Wood Hospital in Gainesville, Georgia. Welcome, Heather. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, just to kind of kick things off, can you tell me a little bit more about what you specialize in as a therapist? Okay, sure. Um, as a therapist at Laurelwood, I mostly work with um, acute care patients, meaning people who are in crisis and are currently inpatient hospital. Um, and I work with them to get them out of the hospital and find uh, outpatient care and services for them. Okay. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that. How long have you been practicing and doing this type of work? I have worked at Laurelwood for approximately two and a half years. And prior to that, I have worked in different settings for about a year. So since graduate school, it's been about three and a half years. Three and a half years. Okay, so um, how did you come to this career? Like, how is that something that you settled on? When, do, when did you know, I guess, you know, in undergrad or before, you know? Before undergrad, I knew probably since I was a teenager, um, I knew it was going to be some type of psychology. I didn't specifically know I was going to work in a psychiatric hospital, but I knew it was going to have something to do with psychology. Um, probably maybe even as early as middle school, but definitely by high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you knew pretty early on. That's awesome, I guess. you know. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty unique. Most people, I would say, don't know. But I just I had a feeling in pretty young that I was going to do something with psychology. It started off, I wanted to be a profiler. Um, and then it kind of changed a little bit. And when I was in undergrad, it it was geared more towards um, children, probably, and it kind of has changed over time. Um, so you did your undergrad at KSU. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about what you did there to kind of prepare you for grad school? Yes, um, I went to Kennesaw State, and while I was at Kennesaw State, I majored in psychology, and I was an active member in the psychology club there, and also Psychi, which is the Honor Society for Psychology Majors. I was actually the president of the Honor Society there, um, I think my senior year um, of college. And so actually being really active in the clubs helped me to kind of get an understanding of different um, fields of psychology and different paths because the people that were involved in the club, like students and the professors, um, they all had different theories, different opinions, different desires and um, and so you can kind of get a better understanding of what people want to do and where they're coming from. And it also makes you kind of have to open your eyes a little bit to what you can do with a degree. I also did research with a professor there and um, 
she had a research team that was kind of a new thing that she was doing at the time and I was able to do some research for her and then also this was also my senior year was also able to supervise some underclassmen doing research and so that was really helpful and I did an internship my senior year at Devereaux in Kennesaw um, working with juvenile sex offenders which is also what my research was on so I kind of had the hands-on experience and then also the research experience and I did some I was a, a TA which is like a teaching assistant for one of my professors who did the careers in psychology class so I kind of got to help with some of his classes and he was a I had had him for several classes he was a really good mentor for me as far as kind of telling me what it was really like to have a, just a bachelor's degree in psychology and what you could do with that and he also was really helpful as far as this is the kind of schools you can go to to get your graduate degree and you really need to narrow down what you want to be doing and he was really good at help guiding me to figure out well, what is it what's my next step what do I need to do next so I just I would say getting involved in whatever's going on at your at the school that you go to um, and getting to know your teachers is really one of the, the best things to do. It's really important. So you'd say, you know, to to make sure that you, you stay active in those kinds of clubs was really important for you in that time to help prepare you for moving forward in, in that field. Yes. I, I think if you don't know what you're getting into and you don't kind of see what it's about and what other people have experienced to have obviously more experienced than you if they're teaching if they're if they're active in the field then you really don't know what you're getting yourself into right um and then i guess going on to grad school you went to grad school at georgia state yes i did i actually took a year off um between undergrad and grad school and that year what i worked at Devereux full-time as um I don't remember what the position was called, but basically it was a direct care position working with the juvenile sex offenders. Um, it was a it was a great year, but it really opened my eyes to see that I did not want to work at that level in that field. That I needed to get a higher level of education in order to be doing what I wanted to be doing. And so I um, I had applied for some PhD programs while I was in school still um, in undergrad um, but I didn't get accepted so I made the mistake when I was in um, before I graduated when I was an undergrad at Kennesaw to not apply to any master's programs I only applied to PhD programs and so I didn't get accepted um, I only applied to three programs but I, when I didn't get accepted then it was kind of like okay well you just have to get a job and reapply next year so then the following year um, I applied to master's programs and I got accepted to all the master's programs that I applied to um, and that made a huge difference. Gotcha. Um, 
And your degree, you said you have a master's in rehab counseling? Mm -hmm. I have a master's in rehab counseling, um, which rehabilitation counseling is basically, it allows you to work with people who have um, mental disabilities, physical disabilities, um, which includes um, chemical dependency, um, all the spectrum of disabilities that they in include, um, I guess, I don't like to use the word disabilities, but that's kind of how it's it's used, but anything that's in the, like the DSM-4, um, so schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, um, anything that's listed as a mental health disorder, it allows you to work with, but it also allows you to work with people who have physical disabilities, such as spinal cord injuries, brain injuries, um, strokes. It, it allows another aspect um, that you learn about in your program. Okay, um, and did you get any specific special certifications or anything like that? Yes, I am um, certified as a certified rehabilitation counselor, uh, which is kind of, it's not specific to one state. It's kind of, you can go from state to state. You don't have to have a specific state licensure. And then I'm licensed in the state of Georgia as a licensed professional counselor. Okay, and how long did those, like, how long did it take for you to get through your master's and then get your LPC and okay. any certifications? Like what um, kind of school did that? The, the, the CRC, the rehabilitation counselor is much easier than the LPC. You can take a test at when you finish, um, your program, which, um, I went full time to graduate school. And so it was basically two years. Um, including one summer. So I finished the program in two years and then I took the rehab counseling test, which if you pass, you get the certification and then you have to renew it every four years. Um, so that one you become automatically a CRC once you take the test and then you renew it four years. The LPC, the Licensed Professional Counseling, um, you have to sit, you have to take, you have to apply to take the test once you graduate. Um, and if they approve you to take the test, then you take the test. If you pass, you can apply to become an LAPC, which is like a licensed applied professional counselor or something along those lines. Um, and with the certified rehabilitation counselor, if you're already licensed, it takes a year off your supervision. So that was pretty awesome because normally you have to be an LAPC for three years um, with so many hours of supervision and working in order to be licensed as a professional counselor. Um, so it took a year off. So it only took me two years with, I think it's, I don't know specifically, but I think it's 2,000 hours of supervision and work supervision, working in the field, which I work full time, so I get way more than 2,000 hours. Um, and so you have to have supervision and with a licensed professional counselor. And 
certain number of hours working and then you can you can apply to get your license so it took me two years to do that and then I became a licensed professional counselor so um, how would you say that all of the training and supervision and everything that you went through in order to get your degrees and certifications prepared you for you know working in that setting today well for me I feel like it works um, I feel like I was trained adequately and and I I am very competent at what I do and and I can fulfill the needs of my job very well my position is does not require you to be licensed um, so I think it's a little bit different everybody um, everybody that I work with is, is very knowledgeable and, and I have a wonderful supervisor who, who is licensed and she was able to say this is what you need to do next and this is what you need to do to get your um, license and don't forget to apply for this and then having her be licensed as well you know she's able to say oh and we have to renew our license at this time because everybody renews at the same time so I think that that made a huge difference um, because when I came out of graduate school I kind of felt like oh I don't know what to do um, I don't you have to fill out all this paperwork and you have to get all these um, you have to get a lot of recommendations and signatures and documenting all of your hours and your supervision and it can be really overwhelming if, if you're not sure like well, what does this mean and who's considered your supervisor from your internship versus you have a supervisor at school so you have like your intern supervisor versus your professor at school who's doing your you know so it can be really overwhelming so to have um, a supervisor at work who is like oh you know I have all of my stuff from when I was in your position you know and I can guide you through it like it makes a huge difference to have somebody say let me show you what you need to do somebody that can kind of take you step by step um, yes. through that process was there anything that surprised you when you first started working about um, being in this kind of setting was there anything that kind of like you weren't really expecting well I don't think anything really surprised me I think I get surprised on a daily basis you know um, we kind of have a, a ongoing it's not really a joke but just an ongoing saying at work like whenever you say the phrase just when I think I've seen it all something else just comes along that you're like oh my gosh I knew I should never have said that because you you see something completely that blows your mind so I have a pretty open mind to nothing really surprises me I also feel like the things the experiences I had and that I exposed myself to in this field prior to working there helped me to not be surprised by anything that I see at work. Gotcha. Um, and in the end, you got your LPC, but I know um, sometimes other people choose to go a slightly different route and get mm -hmm. the LCSW right. instead. What are some things that you had to think about when deciding which way to go with that? That's a really good question. And, you know, I think I, I even think about that now, you know, why did I not choose to go that route? And it's hard to say, you know, why didn't I go 
to that route. I think both programs have um, perks and you really have to evaluate what it is that you want to be doing. Um, I, I guess for me, I really looked at the social work position, not necessarily doing counseling piece. Um, but I have learned that in my, in my job, I have, I work with um, social workers that are in the exact same position that I am and we do the exact same role. Um, so I don't necessarily know that taking either route would have been more or less beneficial for me. But I guess it really just depends on what it is that you want to be doing. There's definitely benefits of being one or the other. It just really is going to depend on what is it that you want to be doing with an LPC versus an LCSW. Um, and for me, I felt like doing the LPC route was more suited to what I wanted to be doing. Some of the, the social work piece that I understood it, I guess, when I was an undergrad, didn't really suit my needs. But as I've learned over the last couple of years, I really probably could have taken either route and ended up in the same position. So do you think anything would be different for you if you had gone and gotten your LCSW instead? Um, you know, that's hard to say. There's, there's different points in time where I say I could have done something different. Um, but I'm very happy with the route that I took and I feel like that, that that's probably the best decision for me because I'm in, in this situation that I feel like is, is perfect for me. I'm where I need to be and I'm in the situation that works best for me. I don't know that um, being a social worker, I don't know that it would be any different for me because once I, when I entered into grad school, I said, I want to get a job working in a psychiatric hospital. And when I finished grad school, it took me a little bit of time to get there because I worked for a year not doing that. But once I got there, that's exactly what I wanted to be doing. And so I'm very happy doing what I'm doing at the hospital. So I can't say that I would do it any different because I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. Um, and what about PhD programs? What kind of jobs open up for you at a place like Laurelwood um, if you decide to take that extra step? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know um, that there would be many jobs for me working um, there with a PhD. I could probably do the same role as I had now um, with a PhD and maybe do some other things on the side. Um, I could do private practice, I could do teaching, um, but there aren't positions there that require you to have a PhD. Um, a, a former supervisor that has retired, he had a PhD, um, but it's, there's not necessarily positions that require you to have a PhD. Gotcha. And um, I did a little bit of research and like salary wise, it's I noticed it was generally between like 30 and 40. It's, would you say that those are accurate? I, mean, um, I would say generally in, in the field and the market now that those are fairly accurate salaries. 
and not just necessarily for laurel wood, but um, just in the field in general. And a lot of it depends on, you know, how long you've been practicing or like where mm -hmm. you are in the States. And I can't speak about private practice because I, I don't do private practice. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say if you're working for an agency, um, yeah, it's going to be depending on how long you've you've been licensed, if you're licensed versus not licensed, how long you've been practicing, um, kind of experiences you've had, obviously those things affect your your salary, but somewhere along the that range is going to be pretty accurate. Okay, so um, can you tell me a little bit about what a day in the life is like over at Laurelwood? Like, what do you do generally on an average day, if there is an average day. Well, there certainly is not an average day, um, but I can tell you in general, like what we do, um, there's, like I said, there's definitely nothing average about a day because you really don't know what you're going to, what kind of patient you're going to be dealing with, um, what's going on with that patient, um, because you could get somebody that's completely out of control, um, that's very psychotic or you could just get somebody who's depressed but is completely coherent and with it or I might have an adolescent that's um, got some family issues going on so I can kind of go I can go all over the spectrum in one day typically I work with um, on the chronic uh, the chronic mental health unit so that's my primary unit, and I deal mostly with people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, schizoaffective disorder, um, and these are the people that have had these conditions for a long amount of time. They're, these are chronic conditions. Um, we also get a lot of sudden onset um, psychosis or substance-induced uh, psychotic disorder. So I'm I'm usually working with the people who um, are, are fairly psychotic initially. And then I also work with the adolescent patients. Um, and so as you can see how it can be one extreme <laughs> to another. Um, on the adolescent unit, we might be dealing with an, a psychotic adolescent, or we might be dealing with an adolescent that is having a lot of um, family turmoil. We see a lot of cutting and um, self-injurious behaviors, substance use. So you know, we have we have the gamut of problems, concerns, issues, however you want to term that. Um, and then I may be doing. I may have groups. We also have an adult and adolescent, but um, we have an adult day partial program where the people that are in that program are usually very high functioning. These are your people that, you know, they don't stay there. They're just coming in for the day, going, you know, and they're going to groups and then, and then they go home at night or back out in to the community. So you kind of have to adjust to whatever's going on. Um, ideally, you want to meet with each individual patient and you want to see what's going on with them, you know, because we are a crisis stabilization hospital and we do acute care, our average length of stay 
is three to five days. Um, that's not a lot of time. So, you know, when I meet with a, a new patient, I do a psychosocial assessment and I'm trying to figure out who are they going to see when they discharge because that's probably one of the most important things is we've got to get them some type of follow-up care they need a psychiatrist they need a counselor what can we what kind of services can we get set up for them where are they going to live do they have some kind of support so those are the kind of things that i'm trying to figure out usually on the first day sometimes yeah, that is impossible to do and it seems like it would be really easy just me sitting here telling you that's what I'm trying to figure out but that can be an impossible task um, and we deal a lot with the families if they have families we also have um, we also deal with a lot of homeless patients um, or patients who live in group homes personal care homes that don't really have a lot of support um, a lot of it is because they've burned all their bridges and so you know a good majority of my time is spent trying to figure out where can these patients live what kind of resources do they have to get any type of care for them whatsoever because they can't take care of themselves anymore so a lot of it is just figuring out what has been done in the past what can we do now and is there any type of family involvement whatsoever? Right, so finding them, you know, it's it's more, at Laurel, what it's more about what comes after, you know, keeping mm -hmm. them kind of, right. their patients sort of. And we want to keep them safe while they're there and, and we talk to them and I, and I, you know, we try to do the, whatever we can for them while they're there, but because we only have them such a short time, we can't focus on you know, life, um, their life traumas or their history of trauma. Obviously, if they're suicidal or something is pressing at that moment, we address it, but we can't deal with the, with their traumas. That's why we want to get them the aftercare because three to five days is not enough time to address whatever has been going on in their life, let's say for the last 20 years. But what we can do is find somebody that can help you with those things. We want to get you safe and stable and then find you the resources that you need. And you said you deal with adults and adolescents and like mm -hmm. a whole spectrum of folks. Um, how do your methods change like when going from person to person, like switching <laughs> between age groups? How do you adjust to, to dealing with different types of patients like that? Well, I don't look at it as an age group per se. I really take it on an individual basis because no two people are going to be the same depending, it's irrelevant what age they are. Um, so for me, I've worked with in the past, whether it be undergrad, graduate level, um, I've worked with patients as young as three years old and I've had patients probably up to 80 plus years old before so really you know I treat them like I want I would want to be treated or how I would want my family members my loved ones my friends how I would want them to be treated um, you know we ha also have people come in at very different with very different cognitive levels so they they may be physically a certain age but mentally or cognitively they're a very different age. 
So really you just have to adjust. Um, you get to know the person for who the person is, not for why they're there, what's going on with them, things that they've done. Um, because you learn very quickly, or at least I learned very quickly working there that people come in and they're used to being treated like crap. And that's one of the things that, you know, I would never want to be treated that way. And, and so I, I pride myself in not treating people the way they think that they're going to be treated. And I make sure that I don't care how old you are, what you're there for, what's going on with you. My, my, my goal is to make sure that I do whatever I can to get you the help that you need. Um, and I mean, you guys deal with some pretty heavy stuff over there. Uh, how important is it to be able to compartmentalize and not bring that kind of stuff home with you? Well, it's very important not to, to bring it home with you. Um, because if you did, you, you know, you wouldn't be able to function yourself. Um, there, for me, there's several things that I think make it easier to leave it at work. One is it's harder to form attachments with people when you're only seeing them for three to five days. Um, so while their stories and what's going on with them can break your heart and you can, you know, you can see the same people over and over again. So sometimes the same people come back to the hospital and you know, you know every single thing about them and they learn things about you over time, even though, you know, you're very guarded about what information you give them about you. But so one of the most important things for me is, you know, having support at work where you can talk about, you know, certain cases, um, certain situations. One of the most stressful things I would say about work is that you don't really know what happens to some people. You know, you get them through the crisis and you put them in a situation or you get them back out in the community and you may never see them or hear from them or know anything about what happens to them. So that can be hard because you're like, I really hope that they survive. I really hope that they, you know, that they make it through and you don't know. Um, so just having that support of a wonderful co-workers and wonderful staff that can support you and, and be there to talk about it. And then also, you know, humor is, is, is great. And I know you're probably thinking, how do you guys have humor there? <laughs> but you do, you know, um, you can make, you got to make humor out of certain certain situations and with yourself and um you know just try to make the best of of what you can and then think about how people come in and how people leave and and know that you've, you've done the best that you can and also in your personal life you have to take care of yourself first and foremost um if you're not in a place where you're healthy and you know taking care of you then you're not in a place where you can take care of somebody else so whatever being healthy is for you whether I know my co-workers and my co-workers are you know health nuts and exercise crazy and 
Um, others, you know, are, you know, book readers or, um, so everybody is different. You have to figure out what it is that you need to do to take care of you and make sure that you do that. Have a life outside of the job, basically. Right. Um, what would you say, I, I know you say sometimes it, it can be frustrating, you know, not knowing what happens to people. Is that, is that one of the more challenging aspects you think about your work? What, like, what would you say is one of the most challenging aspects of what you do? I would say probably the most challenging aspect is that you have a very limited access of resources um, and your hands are tied a lot of times and unfortunately people have a sense or false sense of hope in what it is that we can do and so when when we get a new patient in or you know the families are completely burdened and they don't know what to do and so they just put all this hope in you like you can do everything and you know we can't create resources that aren't there and so unfortunately that's probably one of the hardest parts is that people have this expectation that we can we can undo somebody's mental disorder and you know we can't take away whatever challenge they may have so if somebody has a diagnosis of schizophrenia people and they've had it for 20 years family members often will think well you know maybe this time this medication will make them go back to the way they were 20 years ago. And we can't do that. And so I would say that that's probably one of the biggest challenges we face is sometimes working with the families, not necessarily the patient, because the patient kind of has a more realistic understanding. I'm never going to be the person that I was. But sometimes the families have just really unrealistic expectations of what it is that we can do. And we can't take the disorder away mm -hmm. um, and so that's really challenging it's heartbreaking and challenging well um, on the other hand what would you find most rewarding about your work what do you like most about what you do oh, let's see what do I like most well I'm probably a psychology nerd because I am completely fascinated um, with just different aspects of psychology. So I would say the most rewarding part is kind of the knowledge. Um, you, When you're an undergrad and even in graduate school, you know, you take the classes and you read it in your textbook, but it is completely different to see it and to experience it and then to see what happens, you know, with, with and to work so closely with the psychiatrist and to kind of you learn I learn I don't I don't know if, what the other counselors would say but I learned so much every day um, from the patients from the nurses from the psychiatrist from everybody I just I feel like I learn almost every day something new like I said you will, I am surprised on a daily basis 
by something that I'm exposed to. Um, so I would say the most rewarding thing for me is just learning and kind of putting putting an applied knowledge with, oh, I remember that. I remember learning about that. Um, and just learning people's perspectives of things and you'd be surprised how many times like a psychiatrist will say well we've tried the same thing with so-and-so before and it never worked but then they'll try it with this person you know a medication regimen or something like that or um, let's try this and it works you know and so it's, it's completely fascinating to me that how the brain works and just kind of learning about different things I, I imagine that it can be extremely rewarding to be in a workplace that allows you to continue to learn and grow on a regular basis. Definitely. Um, just to kind of close things up, um, what advice would you have for people, like last-minute advice for people who want to go into this field or considering um, working in this type of situation? I would say that the best advice I could give you is get exposure before you work in that field. Um, when I was in grad school, I was amazed that people were in my graduate program, well, that didn't have degrees in psychology, but that was one thing, but they had no exposure to working with people in, with any kind of diagnosis. So to me, it was no big deal like, I had seen people with schizophrenia. I had seen people with bipolar disorder and, and what they were capable of doing to themselves and doing to other people. And it didn't, it didn't freak me out. And, and to work and to be in class with people who didn't have a clue what those words even meant or what other words meant that were in the field of psychology, it was, it was really alarming because I was thinking in my head, like, oh my gosh, in a year, these people are going to be counseling other people. Um, so I would say expose yourself, you, you know, intern, volunteer, um, do whatever you can to get experience because that experience is far out. Well, it doesn't outweigh your education because you need those skills, but the, knowing what it's like to, to work with that population is going to really help you know if, if that's something you can do or if it's not something you can do. Being in that environment and knowing if you can handle it and if that's something that you can keep an open mind to, not only will it benefit you, but it also it doesn't do any good for that population if you don't have the heart for it. Well, thank you so much for coming today and being a part of our podcast. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure, and I don't really know how to close this up. So, <laughs> thank you um, for having me. Yeah. <laughs>